0: hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the pensburg podcast i am garrett bahanna joined alongside as always with hooks orpic himself jim Rixner. jim how are you
1: doing doing great happy new year everyone and welcome to episode 30 of the pensburg podcast and now in our, our latest little segment here who's your favorite number 30 garrett i think i know the answer already
0: i've looked at the list of, of penguins to wear the number 30 sweater and uh I've defended him, uh, I've died on his heel quite a few times, and Jim, I'm going to go with our current number 30, our Lord and Savior two-time Stanley Cup winner. Maybe he's not our Lord and Savior anymore, depending on how Tristan Jari continues to play, but nevertheless, he is our current number 30, Matt Murray. So Jim, I think I have a feeling who you're going to go with, but you may throw a left, uh, uh, you may throw something out of left field, so who's your number 30?
1: Yeah, I am going to throw from left field. Uh, Number 30, typically a goalie's number, and there's a lot of bad goalies on this list, uh, Matt Murray excluded. But um, I will go a little off the wall, and I'll pick Roberto Romano, number 30, who was so bad, they called him up when he was very young in, like, 1983, and he's one of the reasons the Penguins got Mario Lemieux, because they played goalies like Romano. So I guess in a weird way, he was... Pretty important to the to the long term, but for a weird reason. So since I knew you picked Flurry or Murray, I went ahead and I'm going Romano.
0: Let's yeah, let's give a shout out to Romano and helping us uh quote unquote tank for the great Mary. No, that was a tank.
1: That was a <laughs> tank job. <laughs> well,
0: okay, thirty plus years later we're finally admitting yeah, I, we I, don't, admit
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if
0: the Penguins front office staff during that time will ever admit at least on camera, will ever admit to it being a tank job, but at least yes, we both know that it was a master class in tanking for Mario Lemieux. But Jim, uh, like you said, uh, this has been—we're we're finally back into the swing of things after our holiday break. Christmas and New Year's are officially in the rearview mirror. Uh, there have there has been a lot of Penguins news since our last podcast, and uh, we're going to dive into the bigger tidbits of that news. First and foremost, uh, we're going to recap the most recent game the Penguins played, which was the four to three win against the Vegas Golden Knights on Tuesday, January seventh. And uh, Jim, looking at this game uh, in its own sort of context, the Penguins get out to a three nothing lead over the Golden Knights, and uh, by night's end. No pun intended. By night's end, they, they, they were kind of sweating it out as the Golden Knights slowly clawed their way back. But the Penguins and Tristan Jari, the starting netminder, held their own for the final few minutes of regulation to earn a hard-fought 4-3 victory. Goal scorers being Brandon Tanev, Evgeny Malkin, Patrick Hornquist, and Dominic Cahoon. So it's kind of more of the same. You're getting contributions as you have been over the last several weeks, and we'll get into it more uh, as we talk about the other big news pieces uh, concerning the likes of Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. But you're getting more production from Evgeny Malkin. He still looks to be on uh, a dominant pace right now. Dominic Cahoon scoring a goal is always good. Uh, Brandon Tanev getting on the score sheet, you know. Uh, I, I keep I keep punching myself in the face looking at the Brandon Tanev contract when it was assigned back in the free agent period. Now seeing what he does on a nightly basis, I don't know if I could have been more wrong. But Jim, I'll hand it over to you to get any uh, any of your thoughts uh, when looking at this 4-3 to victory for the Penguins over the Golden Knights.
1: It was a great game. What kind of stands out to me is that was the fourth game in six days for the Pens. Really tough stretch. It started, they played at home against the Sharks on Thursday, then at Montreal on Saturday home against Florida on Sunday, quick turnaround there, and then had to fly all the way out to Vegas for Tuesday night, switch all the time zones, all that nonsense. So just in general, I thought the team was kind of worn down in Vegas. You saw that they got badly outshot and that's where uh, they had to rely on Tristan Jar- Jari a lot in that, especially in the second and third period to hold him in there and, and make sure they stayed in, in front, which he did. And that stood out to me and yeah, um, uh, Hopefully now, with two days off before the Colorado game, hopefully they can find a little bit more momentum, a little more edge, a little more energy to keep going. But, yeah, like you said, um, they've just kind of found some ways on most nights to get a point or get a win or or figure out if it's a different guy stepping up each night to join at this point. Malkin and Rust, who have been there every night. So, yeah, it's been impressive to watch this team kind of grit it out and do some things that maybe they haven't done in in years past to show that edge and show that fight to really keep going even when the circumstances are against them whether it's injuries or travel or what have you
0: I, I agree with you Jim and you know looking at the penguins in the in terms of the big picture you know they're 26 12 and five on the year currently third in the metropolitan division with 57 points and the hurricanes are behind them with 52 points at time of recording. They're 7-2 and 1 in their last 10 games. We we haven't talked about the 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 big news item that being the the unfortunate injury to Jake Genswell, losing him for 4 to 6 months, but it really has been the tale of this season with the amount of man games and the amount of players and these aren't just, you know, third fourth line grinder-esque players. These are big name players that the Penguins are losing for long periods of time and the fact that this team is buying into whatever Mike Sullivan is selling to them in their practice sessions and behind the bench during game day, it it really is fascinating to watch because I, Jim, I think you and I both, you know, you know, when when, when Sidney Crosby went down with the sports hernia surgery, and and now with Jake Gensell going out, and and Brian Rust being injured, Patrick Hornquist being injured, you know, I could keep going and listing off all of these names of players who have been hurt throughout this season. It would be easy for the Penguins to to just surrender, and, and you know, nobody nobody uses injuries as an excuse, but it, it's quite easy to look at the lineup that they're icing and. and but the before and after, I guess you could say of all of the, all of the star players that they had, that they could theoretically ice if everyone was healthy compared to who they're icing now on a nightly basis with all of these injuries, it's easy. It would have been easy for the Penguins to fall into the, into the pits of the metropolitan division. And they've done the exact opposite, which is quite amazing when you think about it, how they've gotten all of these players to buy in, even in the face of all of this adversity. And, uh, Jim, I think we're going to get a little bit of good news with the uh, very soon return of, of Sidney Crosby, who looks to be in the final stages of his rehab from that Sporternia injury. So Jim, uh, you know, looking at this last stretch that the Penguins have, have been on, like I said, seven, two, and one in their last ten, you really couldn't ask for anything better than, you know, what the Penguins have delivered over this last stretch of games
1: you can't ask for much better because um, they're just finding ways and a guy you touched on, it just seems like, Jake Gensel went out of the lineup now four games ago, and Patrick Hornquist has been back for six games from his latest injury. And you look at it, Hornquist has four goals and one assist in those last six games since he's been back. So it's kind of like you lose Gensel, and that that, that stings a lot. Obviously, it's going to be very tough and a big storyline for how the Pens look to replace him. But it, it helps when you have Hornquist pop back up in the lineup, and not only is he back – He's got four goals in the last six games, all of them at even strength, too, by the way. So just stuff like that, it it feels like, you know, the injuries obviously have been a very important part of what's gone down. And obviously, you know, it's tough because, like you were saying, you can't just replace a, a Sidney Crosby or a Brian Dumoulin or a Jake Gensel. Those guys are just too talented, and no one else, really, that you move up the lineup is going to be able to do what they can do, except for, you know, obviously Malkin can replace Crosby to an extent. But... From that point, I I think their just battle is impressive and just the way they've done things, no matter what it's been. If it's been a Zach Aston Reese or Brandon Tanov or Teddy Bluger stepping up in a key moment, or Cahoon's been great. McCann has had like a, a goal scoring drought in recent days, but. You know, it seems like it could be a hero at from any line or any point of the lineup on any given day. And then again, like I, I don't think you can say enough really about what Gensel did when he was healthy as as well as Malkin and Rust on that first line. They've really kept the pens afloat because they've been so consistent and they've been so great. So that that's a big key too, I think, as well when you look at it. When
0: talking about the absence of Jake Gensel for the next four to six months, Uh, obviously a guy that I don't think the Penguins can replace very easily. Uh, However, if there is a player that could soften the blow to lose Jake Gensel, it very well could be the captain, Sidney Crosby, who, as I mentioned at the start of the show, is nearing, very nearing uh, the end of his rehab process for the sports sports hernia injury that he suffered uh, almost two months ago. And uh, so... Jim, we we obviously don't know when Sidney Crosby—we don't have a firm date for when Sidney Crosby will hit the ice— for a game, but there are there have been encouraging signs in recent days. Uh the, the captain has gone with the team on this Western this Western road trip. He has been skating by himself. You know, we keep uh we keep our eye on, on the penguins Twitter handle and, and Penn's inside scoop, those guys who are giving us uh the inside track on what's happening during practice, and we keep looking and waiting to see if Crosby is going to join the regular line rushes for practice. He hasn't done that just yet. He keeps skating on his own. But uh, Jim, obviously, like I said, we don't know a firm timetable for when Crosby is going to return, but you have to think, if he's joining his team on this Western swing, you know, we're five or six weeks out from when he had surgery, you'd think, given the initial timetable for when he was set to be fully recovered, you think it would be happening soon, so... Jim, you know, if you want to look at their upcoming schedule, like you said, they have the the following game on Friday, January 10th against the Avalanche, then Sunday the 12th against the Coyotes, Tuesday the 14th against the Wild. I'm not saying it could be any one of those next three games, but, Jim, you have to think, you know, he, he continues to ramp up his participation in skating. You think the next step will be joining his team for a full practice, full contact practice. Could we be seeing the captain return to ice, return to the ice with his team over let's say the next five games or so maybe by the end of January if not sooner
1: oh yeah I think it'll definitely be sooner and we're seeing some signs of, of that on Wednesday the Penguins waived Joseph Blandesey which they typically tend to do when a, a player is coming back and Crosby is the closest forward to coming back with Nick that a little behind him and um, so there could they could in, in recent days, you know, if Blandese clears, then send him down and they would still have either Andrew Agazino or Sam Lafferty now as their 12th and 13th forward. So that's, that's a kind of a sign. It's not a surefire sign that Crosby definitely will play Friday night but it it certainly is a sign that his return is getting close. And like you said, he's been um, ramping it up recently. He started skating on his own on December 10th, which is about a month ago from now. And that's, that's a good sign as well. And, he's joined the team for a couple practices and then he's kind of clarified, Oh, it's, it's only because of the ice time availability, but at the same time, he's also changing his Jersey and and doing drills with the first power play. So even though he's kind of being coy about his involvement, that he hasn't really seen himself as a full practice participant at times, he has, you know, been out there at least and he's been working on his skills and, um, he will have to get that official contact practice, but you look at it, even Wednesday, the team had an optional skate. They stayed over in Vegas last night, which I'm sure was fun. Uh, the team had a lightly attended skate with not that many people out there this morning or Wednesday morning for the Pens, and Crosby was one again. So I, I think it's close. I don't know if he intends to play Friday or Sunday, but the, the fact that he went on this trip certainly means that he's getting closer and Working with the team is what's going to get him there closest. Um, I, you know, I would certainly think by the home game next Tuesday against Minnesota that that could be a game that he's back for. But I don't think it's out of the picture right now that he could play Sunday or even Friday, really, if stuff comes together. Um, a big key: watch what happens on Thursday when the Penguins practice today as this podcast drops if he is back with the team full skate or if he is on a regular line taking regular line rushes that obviously is a sign I doubt the pens are gonna say for sure he'll be you know he'll be the game time decision officially but if he takes a full contact practice and if he's skating like say with Brian Rust and Jared McCann or something that that's probably a pretty good sign that Friday could be the night and if he's not maybe maybe Sunday or maybe Tuesday we'll just have to keep being patient and see when that might be.
0: And, you know, like we said at the start when talking about Crosby, you know, he his presence alone on that first line, you know, is something that teams have to account for. And, it, it like I said, it would soften the blow when dealing with the unfortunate loss of Jake Gensel, dealing with that upper body injury, I believe, that was uh, suffered in the win against the Ottawa Senators on uh, December 30th. Correct me if I'm mistaken, Jim. But uh, this Jake Gensel injury, you know, out of all the players that could have gotten injured, this is probably the one. This is probably one of the worst injuries that the team could have sustained. Uh, you're, you're you're talking about the team's best, just straight up best winger, and presumably he was going to play alongside Sidney Crosby uh, when Crosby was going to make his eventual return. But now that he's out, presumably for the rest of the regular season, if not the entirety of the season, even when talking about a potential playoff run. Now that Gensel is out for the foreseeable future, uh, there there has to be talk about using his $6 million cap hit, putting that on long-term injured reserve, and the Penguins having some cap flexibility, you know, if they are going to want to go out and if Jim Rutherford is going to work the phones for a potential trade for uh, a a big-name winger. So, you know, if there is a silver lining to this Jake Gensel upper body injury, it is the fact that they can use all of that money towards long-term injured reserve to bring in another body. So with that, Jim, uh, let's... I, I know it's early. We still have about a month-plus out until the, the NHL's trading deadline. But you have to think Jim Rutherford is working the phones as we speak, considering a guy like Gensel's status is not so easily replaced. Uh, and I don't know if the answer to Gensel's replacement is found on this current roster, with that being the likes of Dominic Cahoon or Alex Galchenyuk. So like I said... uh. I'm going to throw out some a couple of names that uh, who play wing that might be potential uh, interest to the Penguins with that long-term injured reserve uh, money that they could use. And these are names. Some of them we've heard. Uh, we we've talked about you and I on the podcast before. Some of these are names that may not be on the market right now, but could be. Uh, Chris Kreider, the left winger for the New York Rangers, only makes four point six two five million with a modified no-movement clause. Um, uh, let's see. Mike Hoffman is another one for the Florida Panthers. Uh, I think he's a more of a pure goal scorer, 5.17 million, modified no-trade. Uh, Connor Sherry is a name that I don't know You know if the Penguins would do a, a quick flip of the switch and bring him back into the fold, dealing him. He only makes $3 million currently playing for the Buffalo Sabres. Tyler Toffoli is a name that we talked about, uh, the right winger. We talked about him on the pod a couple of weeks ago. Right winger from the Los Angeles Kings, only making $4.6 Uh Jim, are there any names that come to mind when looking at the flexibility the Penguins have when dealing with this long-term injured reserve cap relief? Any names that come to mind for you in your research that you think might be a good fit to try and replace Jake Gensel?
1: A couple of the ones you named, I think, Think that to me, Chris Kreider is a player who definitely is going to get traded within the next two months because that's how the Rangers operate, and they've whether you know all their guys who get to that age, they pretty much move on from. So I, I, he's a guy that's going to be out there. I don't know what his price would be. I'm sure they'd want a first round pick plus more for him. So I don't know if the Pens would be interested in meeting that price. But I think in terms of just like size and his skill and his past production that to me, Chris Kreider would be just a perfect ideal fit for this Penguins lineup if they can make it happen, which is always the question mark. But um, like you were saying, there's, there is no financial ramifications to the salary cap about that now. Like, they'll be able to get whoever they want. So, to me, Chris Kreider sticks out. Tyler Toffoli I like as well. And Jim Rutherford was talking about that, that even though Toffoli is a right handed right winger, that doesn't necessarily mean anything because the Penguins like how Jared McCann and Dominic Cahoon can kind of play both sides and play the left wing as necessary. So, I, I don't think the Penguins would be, you know, bias if like oh Jake Gensel is a left wing we need to add a left wing I think they'll be flexible enough that they're going to try to add a good player which is something that Jim Rutherford said as well that he's not interested in just picking up a forward like he he pretty much hinted like he wants a guy that can play in the Pens top six so um that's where I would go. Connor Sherry, I don't think the Pens are interested in him. He fell out of Mike Sullivan's good graces, so I don't think they would have much appetite to bring him back. But, I mean, his he's, his past is worth you know being a talking point at least. Um, the other names I look at, Brandon Saad in Chicago, it's probably going to take a really big offer for them to want to move him because his contract still has a few more years on it. But I think he's a guy that always should be you know of interest to the Penguins and to Pittsburgh for what he can do. And then uh, Jason Zucker from Minnesota is another guy that Minnesota has reportedly been close to trading a few times, and who knows if he fits in their plans or even what our old friend Bill Guerin up there wants to do if he, if he would consider selling on that and moving on and getting younger or if he's going to keep Zucker and try to make a run at the playoffs for them this year. So to me, those are the names that I would kind of be looking at, first and foremost, like Kreider, Foley, Saad, Zucker, someone like that, that you know can play a top six wing role and replace what Gensel did.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be really interesting over the next month plus getting closer to the trading deadline. Uh, We know typically from uh, prior years, I think Rutherford likes to make his deals before the actual deadline day to try and get his players accustomed to, you know, the, the Penguins' way of playing, the, the, the how the Penguins, you know, how they do things in terms of a team. I, I But we don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how Rutherford manipulates the salary cap and seeing what's out there on the open market as we get closer and closer to the NHL trading deadline. Uh, Jim, there is one more bit of news to talk about before we hit our mailbag segment, and that is regarding the NHL's All-Star game, Two Penguins have been selected to represent the team in the NHL All-Star game. Those two players being Chris Letang and Tristan Jari. So uh, talking about Tristan Jari specifically, Jim, because I think this has just been an incredible run for Tristan Jari, who was basically brought into this team at the beginning of the season, really just because of his contract and the fact that he wasn't making as much as Casey DeSmith. They sent Casey DeSmith down to Wilkes-Barre, and Tristan Jari latches on as the the presumed backup to Matt Murray, and uh, boy, how how things have changed! Tristan Jari now being rewarded for his play after you you know after going 14-6-1 this season with a 204 goals against and a 934 save percentage, certainly worthy, I think, in my opinion, of being represented in the NHL All-Star game. Chris Letang, we also, you know, this isn't his first go-around. We know uh, Chris Letang's importance to the team. And uh, with 28 points in 35 games this season, certainly worthy of an All-Star selection uh, in his own right. But, Jim, I I think that the, the biggest point, about both of these players making the All-Star game uh, is that of Tristan Jari and the ride that he's been on throughout this season. You really couldn't write a better story than what we've seen out of Tristan Jari so far.
1: No, you couldn't, and it it has been unpredictable because he was just a guy, like you said, that before this year he really hadn't found his footing at the pro level and even in the AHL he wasn't always the better goalie between himself and Casey DeSmith. So it does it's it's deserved because Tristan Jarry's numbers are the pretty much the best in the league for goaltenders right now with goals against average and save percentage. His uh, sample size is growing all the time, and he's almost played half the games the Pens have played as they've leaned on him heavily, and uh, he's another big reason that you can't compliment enough for these past 10, 15, 20 games with the Penguins really hanging in there without guys like Crosby and Dumoulin is because of the play of their goalie. So, yeah, he's he's worth it for sure to go to the All-Star game. I kind of, of worry about that or wonder maybe if, you know, A goalie in that format it's a three-on-three format in the all-star game so there's a lot of goals and you kind of worry because like the baseball situation where if your hitter is in the home run derby a lot of times it'll mess up his swing and then he goes on a slump I think a lot of times after the all-star game so I, I kind of had that in mind about goalies I don't know if there's the statistical evidence about that but I could see that you know, kind of messing with them because it's only three on three and a lot of goals do get scored. So we'll see how that goes for him. Hopefully it won't take any wind out of his sails so far from what he's done. And yeah, Chris Letang, like you're saying, this I think is his fifth All-Star game or sixth nod. So he's, he's a pro at this. He's done it before. And he's always a fun guy to watch on the skills competition, whether they have him do the passing drills or the skating backwards or, you know, whatever he's doing. So... I know a lot of people don't even tune into that, but if you do, that's always one of the the better guys to keep an eye on. So that'll be fun towards the end of this month to see how that goes. And you know, was, I felt bad for Jake Ensel since this was going to be his year to be the All Star for the first time, and you know, just one more thing that got ripped away, which is unfair. But that's how the season's going this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I couldn't say it better. That's that's how this season is going this year. Unfortunately. Uh, but, like, yeah, I, I agree with you, Jim. It, it'll be fun. You know, I, I always like tuning into All Star Weekend. You know, just sit around and, you know, I personally like the skills competition aspect of it. So, you know, I get a little bit of enjoyment out of it. It'll be fun to watch, like you said, Latang and, and Jari showcase their skills on, I guess you could call it a national stage. But, uh, yeah, it'll be fun later this month to see what both Penguins can do at the All Star game. Uh, we're going to switch gears now into. The best segment of the podcast it is our mailbag segment. For longtime listeners, first time listeners who are interested, or maybe don't know what this mailbag segment is, uh, every every week I will send out a tweet from our Pennsburg podcast Twitter account at Pensburg Pod, asking for listener questions through Twitter, and uh, we'll, we pick the best ones to talk about and discuss uh, in our mailbag segment. No question is off limits. We love talking about anything from hockey. To the, the thing I'll never forget is the Predator Warfare question. We got a couple of pods back. Uh, no question is off-limits. We love getting the listener interaction from all of you guys who listen and take the time to tweet us. Uh, but, Jim, you'll get first crack at uh, this week's mailbag like you always do. And uh, our, our friend Cole DelVecchio is back, and he's back with a very simple question. Is Mike Sullivan a low-key genius?
1: Thanks, Cole. And I would say he's actually a high-key genius. I don't. I don't think it's hidden at all. Um, you know, obviously every button he's pushed just about this year has worked, and a lot of the Penguins' fight and attention to detail, and just everything they're doing traces back directly to their coach. So, yeah, I give uh, Mike Sullivan all the credit in the world. I I'd call him a genius all day long. What about you, Gary? Yeah. Uh-
0: I've seen some rumblings early on that Mike Sullivan really should be the front runner for the Jack Adams award. And considering all the adversity that this team has gone through and the fact that, you know, they've won as many games as they've, as they've had in the last 10 games without all of these superstar players. You know, I think they, he only had a full healthy team, the the fully projected healthy team for one game early in the season. So the fact that he's been able to get his players to buy into his message and you know, like you said, the attention to detail and everyone is still fighting. You know, there isn't a really, you know, every once in a while you'll get a stinker. And that just happens over the course of an 82-game season. But they're buying in and, you know, they're still tenacious. They still want to win. It's just a testament to Mike Sullivan doing the best with what's given to him at this point. I I, I agree with you. I think he is a, a high-key genius. I agree. All
1: right. DJ writes in and asks us. Why didn't the Steelers take Lamar? Oops. So why, Garrett? Why didn't they do that? Um, I think
0: Lamar was taken at the end of the first round by the Ravens. And I forget who did the, the Steelers took Terrell Edmonds, I think. Was that the draft that they took Terrell Edmonds? So, uh, yeah, I don't think the Steelers were going to commit to Lamar Jackson at the time with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, so unfortunately, he's with the Ravens now and we're going to have to deal with him for the next 10 to 15 years. But I think there is another part to this question, Jim.
1: Yeah, well, the Steelers didn't know Ben's arm was going to fall off, and I think it's a rule that they have to draft a linebacker with every first-round pick, so he doesn't play linebacker, so there you go. Okay, so DJ says his real question is, will it be better use of an asset to trade Chanyak or keep him as depth that might catch on, like a rental acquisition could? Maybe even getting getting to sign him instead of going UFA? Uh,
0: The, the, the season of Alex Galchenyuk has been uh, a strange one to say the least. And uh, as it currently stands with the absence of Jake Kensel now, unfortunately, uh, I don't know if trading Galchenyuk, it it, it could happen. He could be in a package to get a a more high profile winger. uh, Like we saw, like we talked about earlier, but I think, Keeping Galchenyuk at this point and hoping that it works out, you know, maybe I I don't think what we expected earlier in the season, you know, maybe 20, 25 goals. I don't think that's going to happen necessarily at this point. Um, So I think using him as depth, the way you worded that question as a depth player that might catch on like a rental acquisition, I think that's the best case scenario at this point. And, you know, we don't know the future. We don't know how many more players how many more forwards could get injured. Uh so I think I think keeping Gauchenyak for the remainder of the season might be the smarter thing to do at this point. And um and I don't know, I don't know if they're going to sign him. I think we talked about this on an earlier episode of the podcast. I think given his production to this point in the season, it's been pretty up and down, mostly downs more than ups. Uh, I don't know if it's worthy of a long-term contract extension. I think we've talked about that. I, I personally don't think. He's going to get re-signed by the team. Uh, but, Jim, looking at the the hole left by Jake Gensel, do you think it, it it makes more sense to keep Galchenyuk or, who knows, maybe, like I said, package him for a, a bigger winger down the line?
1: I would take the latter of those options, that packaging him, uh, because they did. He even got the first crack when Gensel got hurt. Galchenyuk played with Malkin and Rust, and, again, that didn't work. That didn't last. He only has four goals so far this season, and the year's more than half over, so, I mean, 20 goals is just way, way out there. There's no way he's going to come even close to that. Um, I don't think there's any chance in the world that the Penguins would be interested in re-signing him just based off this season. It it hasn't meshed. It hasn't worked. I guess whatever you want to say to be nice about it is fine, but, yeah, it's just been a big disappointment, and he hasn't done what he was expected to do, and I'm sure what he was expecting himself to do, so... Yeah, uh, I would think that the best thing for everyone is just eventually he's going to move on probably sooner than later, and they're going to use that lineup spot when they do get healthy, when they get Crosby back and Bugstad back, and whoever they trade for as a winger, that that probably takes um, the spot out that Galchenyuk would be playing in anyway. So, yeah, I'm not seeing much more of a future for him in Pittsburgh just based on the way it's been so far, unfortunately.
0: Rye, and Eric both have questions concerning Sidney Crosby. Um, When will Sidney Crosby return is the one question, and what would the potential line combinations be when Sidney Crosby makes his eventual
1: return? That's a good one. Thanks, guys. Um, I was thinking at, at first that... Malkin and Rust, you would keep them together for sure. And then maybe Crosby and Gensel would go back together. But now that obviously Gensel isn't going to be around for that, that throws a big wrench into those plans. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what they want to do. And I'm I'm not quite sure what direction they're going to move in. I would assume, I don't know how you split up Malkin and Rust to be honest there. So that might open up Hornquist to move up. With Crosby, that might open up Jared McCann, Dominic Cahoon, Dominic Simone even. I think you could see names like that. And unfortunately, with Crosby, what we've seen lately is a lot of rotation of players. So I would definitely expect, you know, it's going to be who's playing well at the moment or who they can throw up there that that they think could generate some scoring chances or maybe who's converted a goal or two in the past game or two. they They'll give him a crack. So I see it being fluid for right now. And eventually, whoever they trade for and add, because I do think that, you know, with, with Gensel down, they need somebody. They need they need to add somebody. So I think they'll add somebody, and that guy will play with Crosby. And then on the other side, they'll rotate either McCann or Hornquist or Simone, guys like that, through it. And then that could make your second line, like Cahoon, Malkin, Rust, moving forward, which I also— You know, that sounds pretty good and, like, a pretty good top six to me. What do you see— Garrett, or do you have any ideas or suggestions to pass along for the Crosby linemate situation whenever he returns?
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think Crosby needs, like you said, it's been a kind of a rotating door of wingers uh, while Crosby anchored the center position. I would like to see more stability, and maybe that would come depending on who they go out and trade for, a bigger name winger. Uh, But, you know, for the time being, I agree with you. It might be who's hot at the moment until they make that trade. Patrick Hornquist on the right side has a history of playing with Crosby. Uh, Like you said, Jared McCann on the left side also has a little bit of a history playing with Crosby. I could see maybe putting Galchenyuk up there for a game or two and seeing how he does. Uh, I don't think that would last long at all, to be quite honest with you. Uh, Tanev up on Crosby's right side. That could be another possibility. I agree with you, though, completely, Jim. I don't think that they need to split up Malkin and Rust for the time being. I think you ride that for as long as you possibly can. Uh, Adam Clare is back, or uh, Adam Clare is here with our final question of the the, the mailbag. Any updates on the draft picks of uh, Sam Poulin and Nathan Legare?
1: It feels good to have some junior players worth tracking for a change. Um, Sam Poulin got hurt about, I think about six or seven weeks ago. He hurt his knee, but he should be coming back soon. He's having a good year. He has 16 goals and 21 assists in 25 games down there, which he plays in the Quebec League. That's very high-scoring, very wide open. So those are great numbers, and one game this year – Earlier, I read about it on Pennsburg. Poulin had a eight-point game in one game, so that one stood out big time as, as kind of like his skill is coming to the forefront a little bit. Uh, Nathan Legre actually got named captain of his junior team on Wednesday. I think they traded their old captain a while back. His numbers are down a little bit from last year. He has 19 goals, 21 assists, in 36 games. But like I said, they're they just traded their captain. So other than him, their next highest guy on the team has has twenty seven points. So it's been this kind of a struggle, I think, for him on playing through like a, a bit of, you know, not a great skilled team. And he's a shooter, so he needs guys to distribute the puck to him and he hasn't had that. So I'm not that really worried about them. Um I don't know if you had any insider things to add on that, Garrett.
0: No, I, I... You you pretty much described everything. I, I'm not too well versed on junior hockey. You know, at this point in both of these guys' career, in terms of their development, you know, they're still still both being in the the Quebec League. Um, you know, I don't put too much stock into it. It's nice to see them continuously producing, like you said, Ray having a little bit of a down year and Poulin being injured. But like you said at the start, you know, it's just nice having these kinds of prospects to finally kind of map out a little bit, you know, with the like with pe- the Penguins trading so many of their, their um, high-profile, you know, draft picks away in terms of, you know, draft capital trading that away for rental wingers going in for deep playoff runs. So yeah, I agree. It's nice to it's nice to see what these what these young guys are doing, but you know, I, I think they're still three, four years out from making any real impact uh and the at the uh the, the the big level.
1: Yeah, and uh he didn't ask specifically, he asked about the twenty nineteen picks, but the one pick that's really worth talking about this week is probably the Penn's top pick from 2018, defenseman Kalen Addison, who was playing for Team Canada, and he had a really great World Junior Tournament for Team Canada, winning the gold medal. He had three assists in the gold medal game in the last three goals that Canada needed for a comeback, so that was pretty awesome and encouraging because I th- Think that Kalen Addison is the first Penguins prospect to play for Team Canada since Pouliot, maybe. So it's been a while since the Penguins have had like a Team USA or a Team Canada or you know one of one of those bigger teams of a World Junior prospect. And you know, Addison did well in his spotlight there, and he will be a pro next year probably in Wilkes-Barre. But that's a guy that if you're tracking prospects, is probably worth keeping an eye on, keeping an eye on or remembering.
0: Yeah, you know, like I said, just having the ability to to watch these prospects grow, it's not something that, at least in recent Penguins history, you're used to seeing because so many of the draft picks just get traded away in, in big-time trade deadline trades. But, yeah, that, that should just about do it for this episode of the Pennsburg Podcast. Uh, Jim, do you have anything else left you want to add before we get out of here?
1: Nope, that'll do it. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.
0: For those interested, you can follow along all season and stay notified when new episodes of the Pennsburg Podcast go live. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, I believe Spotify as well. Uh, subscribe to your streaming podcast platform of choice. Follow along, get notified when uh, we put out the weekly mailbag question on our Pennsburg Podcast Twitter account, at Pod. Follow our main Pennsburg account on Twitter as well, Twitter and Facebook, at Pensburgh. And uh, that should just about do it for Jim Rixner Hooks Orpic. I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Pennsburg Podcast. And we will see you next week. <laughs>